How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV. Ben Smith is a sports reporter for Perth Now Local and a favourite of ours on the Overnight Crowd. He joins the program. G'day, Ben. Hey, Hita. How you doing, mate? Yeah, good. Thank you, mate. Thanks for the time once again. Uh, happy Hottest 100 Day to you. How did you find the countdown with uh, the Wiggles are taking it out today? Yeah, I didn't actually mind the Wiggles cover. I'm not sure whether it's like number winning worthy, but it, it was a fun song. I didn't. Uh, I actually quite liked it. Um, I, I, you know, I think my music taste is quite different from uh, uh, what gets played in the Hottest 100. And uh, you know, I, every year I do the go through a short list, and there's less and less songs I know, which is funny because I actually listen to a wider variety of songs I did five years ago and yet my shortlist is always way uh, smaller so um, I always find, well, I find less and less options I like on the Triple J approved shortlist which is always quite strange to me but yeah from what I heard it was what kind of wasn't a lot I liked but um, I actually I thought the top 10 was actually quite good for, for a change which was uh, you know it was surpri- quite su- surprisingly good. Yeah I, uh, I just got a message from my mum saying how did the Wiggles win the hottest 100. Um, so trying to explain that to her at the moment. Uh, the wife said, don't know any of the uh, top 10 songs. And uh, yeah, I think I jumped in the car when Sly Withers got in at 70, no, 69, actually, because they were, they were, they were, yeah, they were talking 69. about that. So yeah, that was about the only time that I heard uh, some of the Excellent. countdown. Yeah. Great to see uh, per, per, the uh, Perth boys Sly Withers get up uh, with uh, with Clarkson. And uh, yeah, I, I actually saw them twice in the space of a month. Uh, not too long ago. Yeah, awesome. Great boys, great live band, and uh, hopefully have a big future ahead of them. Yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, we'll start with the Matildas, mate. Uh, the team pumped 18 goals past Indonesia in their Asian Cup opener. Sam Kerr with five goals, Emily Van Egmond with a hat-trick. A nice way to open the account, especially uh, should the group, uh, you know, pretty unlikely, but come down to goal difference. Yeah, they kind of just squeaked past Indonesia, didn't they? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it was always, yeah, it was always going to be like this... Uh, Indonesia, obviously, you know, very, you know, much uh, less developed uh, country in terms of, uh, you know, women's football. And, uh, you know, they, they were always, I mean, from, you know, opening five, ten minutes, you knew this was going to be a rout. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was a rout. I didn't expect them to put 18 goals past Indonesia. Um, you know, uh, shout out to Sam Kerr, you know, for, uh, you know, moving past Tim Cahill's uh, record of 50 goals, she's now the all-time, you know, leading scorer uh, in uh, Australian national team uh, history. Uh, and she did it. She moved past Tim Cahill, having played four less games than Cahill did. Cahill uh, scored, I think, 50 in 108 when uh, Kerr passed him. Uh, it was... Uh, I think she she played 104 games, mm. uh, and but the uh, most incredible thing is she's only 28 years old, which I always kind of forget. And um, yeah, she's just the last kind of five or six years have just been because she didn't she wasn't always it wasn't like she was uh, a goal scorer, you know this you know incredible goal scorer from the start of her Matilda's career. It's only really been the five or six like last years where she's just turned into this absolute monster in, uh, for the Matildas in front of goal. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, great to see her, you know, get the record and um, you know, notch up five. And, uh, yeah, you know, you know, it's uh, a good win. Nice to see Ellie Carbon to get a couple of goals as well. Um, you know, she, as, as a right-back, goal is normally quite hard to uh, 
to come by uh, from that position. And uh, A.D. Lewick, who had obviously uh, retired before she was uh, called up to this tournament, uh, scored probably the goal of the game. Yeah, it was, the, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> what, yeah, wonderful, wonderful little backheeled flick. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, um, you know, a... a uh, Hopefully a sign of what's to come. I don't think they'll hit double figures again. Uh, you know, it's, it's these sorts of games are quite quite uh, interesting because on one hand, obviously, it's not good to see, you know, at a major tournament, a team winning by 18 goals. Mm. Um, it's, you know, pretty... And even if it's as footy, you know, an 18-goal win would be uh, you know, pretty spectacular. Um, but on the other hand, you know, you need to give countries like Indonesia, these kind of minnows, uh, a chance to play at the highest level. And they'll get, you know, they'll get money from, you know, appearing at this tournament, which they'll then be able to uh, you know, invest back into a women's game, hopefully, uh, at local level, uh, which, you know, brings the overall product up. And uh, it, it's a fantastic experience for them. Like, there's a great picture of all the Indonesian team. Uh, having a picture with Sam Kerr after the game, it means so much to them to be here. Uh, you know, you could see you know them singing the national anthem before the game. You know how much it meant to them. You know, they're, obviously they'll be up, you know disappointed to lose eighteen nil, but just the fact that they're actually at a major tournament uh, it was a source of great pride to these players, and uh, it was also very nice to see. Uh, I, the you know the, a couple of years ago when the USA. Uh, women's national team had that huge win at World Cup and even when they were, you know, getting up into the, you know, the high teens for goal score, they were still doing these, like, really over-the-top, like, dramatic celebrations and it just looked like a bad... Look, it was nice to see uh, the Matildas, you know, kind of keep things a bit more low-key uh, as they were with the celebrations. And they didn't seem to be taking great pride and, you know, celebrating every goal as if it was the best goal ever. So nice to see them, you know, stay humble in the celebrations. So if you think that the 18-0 scoreline is the perfect way to make everyone happy, you'd be wrong. As we've seen, uh, former Matildas, Georgia Yeomandale and also Grace Gill, uh, not stoked following the win. Uh, they were on Channel 10's post-game coverage, criticising Tony Gustafsson's choice of players given the opposition, uh, Indonesia being the lowest-ranked team at the tournament. Your thoughts on uh, his moves at halftime and also for the squad that was picked for the whole game? Yeah, I, d- I think that's got a pretty good point. Um, you know, there's... No need for, you know, for Kerr and Ford and Fowler and Razzo and Carpenter and, you know, and that ilk of player to really be out there. Obviously, you know, you want to get minutes into them so they're not, you know, so, they, so they're sharp for the next game. Uh, it's, a, it's a bit of a balancing act. I get it. Um, you know, you don't want to overplay them uh, and you don't want to underplay them. But, uh, and you know, obviously, you know, you want the goal difference as well in case, it, you know, it does, like you said earlier, in case the... The group stage does come down to goal difference. Uh, you'd rather be safe than sorry, but I, I do get the point. You know, this is you know it would have been obviously Courtney Nevin and uh, Holly Chris uh, Holly McNamara uh, did get some time off the bench, but it'd be great. It would have been great to see you know Remy Sampson, who's been lighting the A League women on fire. The Kira Cooney Cross as well, who was excellent in the uh, you know uh, last year in the A League women. Uh, it'd be good to see them get a bit of time. Uh, you know Charlotte Grant as well, Courtney Vine. Uh, you know, we we didn't really need to see A.V. Lewis or, uh, you know, Tamika Yowath or Kaya Simon in this game. So it was quite mystifying that they that they were bought off the bench to get game time. You know, um, this should have been kind of... I understand uh, Tony Gustafsson wanting to put out a strong side to kind of send a message, 
know, uh, we need to start this uh, tournament on the right foot. But on the other hand, I can understand, you know, the uh, Georgie Omendale and uh, Grace Gill's uh, complaints and, you know, wanting to see uh, the, the younger players feature a bit more predominantly uh, against Indonesia. Perth Glory in action tonight uh, versus Sydney FC. The rust on show from the Glory, uh, respectfully, in their last match versus the Raw. But tonight, a lead from the skipper, Brandon O'Neill, just before the hour mark. Bruno Fornaroli makes it two. Sydney uh, able to get a late pen back, which uh, you know caused a little bit of flutter of the heart. But Perth get their first win in Sydney over Sydney in six years. Yeah, it was... Uh, well, I, I actually thought it was a pretty terrible game, in all honesty. It was not the first half... The first half especially, the first half was really tough watching. Uh, I think I don't think either of these teams are very good. Um, you know, I think Sydney's ceiling is uh, a bit higher than Glory's, but I was not impressed by Sydney. You know, every pretty much every game this year, they've had Max Burgess. Uh, they've subbed off Max Burgess for Milos Ninkovic, or they've subbed off Milos Ninkovic for Max Burgess. When really they should be playing the two together. They're their they're most, uh, you know, two most creative players. But Steve Corica seems intent on only playing one at a time for some very weird, strange reason. But yeah, on the game itself, I just thought first half was pretty boring. You know, there were no shots on target. Uh, two teams who didn't know how to break down the opposition. A lot of slow ball movement from side to side. Uh, you know, not much progressive play. I thought Gloria's midfield first half just didn't look like they knew what they were doing. Um, and you know, and Captain Brown O'Neill is included in that. You know, he's the captain. He should be leading from the front, but uh, he's started the season very slowly, and is uh, you know, the ball is not being filtered through him very much, and uh, he's struggling to make an impact when he does get the ball to feet. So um, you know, that's something Richard Garcia is going to have to. Fix uh, because he's you know he's a captain. You need to get him more involved, and you know I don't. I mean, he was actually named man of the match, which was pretty shocking to me because I was not really impressed with his game, and even O'Neill himself seemed to be quite surprised uh, after the uh, final whistle. Um, but yeah, I, I thought the second half opened up a bit. Um, there was a bit more kind of uh, transition chances for both teams, and uh, the goal coming about. Uh, Jack Quisby uh, has. Tell you what, for a player who is maybe even not the most technically gifted, he has a hell of a shot on him. Um, and, you know, uh, as your enemy could only spill it, and Brandon O'Neill, you know, I have just panned him, but, uh, you know, he took the goal very well, was very composed in, uh, you know, just hesitating and rolling the ball past uh, Redmayne. And then, uh, yeah, at the end, a very tidy finish from Bruno Fornaroli, who is, you know, he, he is the glorious best player. He's so central. Uh, and integral to what to what they do when they have the ball because he is kind of a focal point of the attack and the ball is always funneled uh, towards him. Uh, uh, and that, yeah, late penalty was you know a bit of a O'Neill went to clear the ball. Uh, Mustafa Amini came out of nowhere and O'Neill was clipped him. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought both teams were pretty average if I'm being polite and uh, uh, below average if I'm being a bit more cynical. Uh, <laughs> And uh, worryingly for glory as well, Daniel Sturridge uh, came off the bench and you know, he had some nice move, uh, movements, uh, but he seemed to pull up lame uh, just before Bruno Fornaroli, uh scored the winner. And uh, he, he was definitely, definitely looked like he was laboring uh, towards the end, uh, like after that incident. And uh, he uh, caught it, 
Bruce Garcia said uh, post-game apparently that he had a bit of tightness uh, in him towards the end of the game, uh, which is quite worrying uh, if you're a Glory uh, Glory supporter. Um, you know, he had did show some glimpses, carved out a fantastic chance out of nothing for uh, Anthony Sardinero uh, a couple of minutes after coming on. So, uh, yeah, hopefully, it's, hopefully it is just tightness and hopefully they can find a way to uh, alleviate that tightness as the season goes on. Yeah, I was going to ask about Sturridge because uh, I wasn't sure if he yeah, did come off again. As you said, he yeah, pulled up lame uh, coming on in the 62nd minute. But, uh, yeah, a couple of uh, bits of quality, but still waiting to uh, all pull together. But it's been such a topsy-turvy season. I mean, you can just find any you know excuse to back him in for just an opportunity for things to run uh, normally for a little bit for him. And then we can probably judge uh, his impact on the side. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, what I will say, even though I don't think Laurie played particularly well, uh, I do think, you know, within the context of everything that is going wrong for them, um, it's a huge win. So there is a massive morale-boosting win uh, for the side. You know, they, uh, they, after the week they've had where they would have found out, you know, late Thursday night that they weren't coming home as planned in early February. Um, and now they're probably going to be stuck over East even longer, away from family, friends, support networks. Um, and also, you know, the fact they won't be playing in front of home fans at, you know, at HBF Park for a long time uh, is very, that's very worrying from a, you know, from a, from a club standpoint, from a supporter standpoint, very sad from a player standpoint. So, uh, you know, Whilst it wasn't a pretty win, it was a, you know, I have no doubt that changer will be celebrating with Matt and would have been just a tonic for a very rough week to the glory. Wellington Phoenix, uh, just able to eke out their second win of the season against Western United 2-1. Uh, would you call this a change in form for Phoenix or have Western United dropped a very winnable game here? Uh, a bit of both. Uh, it's, uh, you know, Walter Sandoval, the uh, new signing, uh, he to have a bit about him, so that's a good sign for Wellington, who have been uh, pretty disappointing, I'd say, so far this season. Uh, I wasn't too high on them going into the season, but Yusuf Tale as coach has always seemed to be able to get best out of a, a poor squad. And, yeah, to be honest, I think Western United would have seen this as a very, you know, as a game they should win. And, you know, to be 2-1... To walk off, you know, two one losers was uh, is uh, is not good enough to be honest. Uh, you know, they lose uh, Tomoki in live where he got a red card, which is a which is a shame. Um, but yeah, good a good a like the glory, a good morale boosting victory for the Phoenix, uh, who you know also like the glory are playing pretty much every game away from their actual home this season. So, uh, all right, uh, two uh, very important wins for two sides really up against the odds off the field at the moment. The Socceroos, they're next in action on the 27th of January and then the 2nd of Feb versus Vietnam and Oman, respectively. Uh, Graham Arnold revealed his 25-man squad on Friday. It included an uncapped trio of players from the A-League. It felt like the reaction on social media was fairly strong. What were your thoughts on the squad initially? Uh, I was very surprised to see Joel King there from Sydney FC. He is, uh, I thought he had a good season last year for Sydney FC, but... I have not seen much to be inspired by his performances this season. Uh, I this it felt like Graham Arnold rewarding a young 
up-and-coming Sydney player, but maybe not on merit. Uh, it's like there's a, there's a perception around the soccer is at the moment that Graham Arnold has his boys. You know, he has his his guys that he really likes, um, and a lot of them seem to have uh, <laughs> ties to Sydney FC. And the Joel King uh, call-up does kind of nothing uh, to dispel that. I was quite flabbergasted, well, not flabbergasted, because I do think he is a uh, decent team. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, just, I just don't think that was it. You know, I, I don't think he deserves the call-up. Uh, you know, not saying he won't be a good player in the future, because I, I am quite high on jolking, but not after the, the start of the season he's had. Um, but yeah, apart from that, I think uh, Marco Tillier from Melbourne City, I did think was a very good call. He's a, you know, he was outstanding at the Olympics. Um, he has looked good in every single Melbourne City game he has played this season, which is very inspiring and very good to see. Um, so well, well done to him. Um, he's kind of had a limited sam- sample size uh, for Melbourne City coming off the bench most weeks, but uh, he's a very uh, good player. So I'm more than happy to. Uh, so yeah, man. Uh, Nikita Rukovitsia again not in the squad. Uh, he should not. You know, I've, he's on fire in the Israeli league uh, and has been on fire in the Israeli league for some time. I know he's old, but he's banging goals away for fun. Why Graham Arnold has uh, has not picked him uh, for some time is another. You know, uh, very he's a head scratcher. Andrew Redmayne, the Sydney FC keeper. Uh, like I said earlier, there's a perception that Arnold has his boys and his boys are normally, you know, ex-Sydney FC players. Or well, Andrew Redmayne was, uh, you know, at fault for, it, for a goal, uh, I believe it was last weekend, where it was just a horrible, you know, uh, mistake by him. And yet he is rewarded with a Socceroos call-up. Hmm. I do not understand it. Um, Matthew Leckie has not been great for Melbourne City this A-League men's season. Uh, what he's, I mean, I can understand he's in the team because he's a senior player, but just saying, he's not been that great. Ty Rolls from Central Coast, uh, yeah, he's all right. Uh, I still think Ruan Tongik is uh, a much better player, although Tongik has uh, had injury issues this season. Um, if you're looking for a Central Coast centre-back to maybe rise up the uh, Socceroos uh, squad power rankings, uh, I would definitely take Tongik over Kai Rolls, and uh, unfortunately, Abel Mabil uh, has not he uh, has not featured as much uh, in Denmark for his club uh, since uh, you know he's had a bit of injuries and a bit of uh, poor run of form, unfortunately. Um, and he's also uh, suffering from uh, or he's coming back from the bout of COVID, unfortunately. So our best wishes to him. But yeah, I, I'm you know. These are two must-win games for the Socceroos against Vietnam and Oman. Uh, you know, they're two big uh, World Cup qualifiers, and, uh, you know, if they don't take uh, six points from six, uh, they are really going to struggle to get that automatic qualification mm-hmm. berth for uh, Qatar later this year. Martin Boyle, he's on the move to Saudi Arabia. It's a near-on $6 million move, which will see him take home almost $3 million per year in what has been described, not sure by whom, as a genuinely life-changing transfer to Al-Fasali. Uh, so he's leaving his Scottish side of Hibernian. Yeah, um, 
The reports are that he has signed a deal of up to uh, per Fox Sports. They are saying that he has signed a deal of up two point uh, a contract worth two point eight million dollars a year, which is that, that sounds like genuinely life changing money. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, all power to him. Uh, you know, he's had a pretty good career with uh, Hibs in Scotland. Uh, he's been decent for the Socceroos since he was, uh, uh, you know, brought into the national team by uh, Graham Arnold. And yeah, fair play to him. You know, it's really hard for him to, uh, you know, for anyone to turn that sort of money. I mean, if I was at, if I was offered uh, two point eight million dollars per year uh, to play in Saudi Arabia, I'm sure I would take it as well. <laughs> Not too much I wouldn't do uh, for that sort of cash. Uh, to the English Premier League matches, a uh, bit of a well-trodden bit on the overnight crowd is that Emmanuel Bonaventure will always be the man to score for Watford. Now, he didn't do that overnight. He picked up a red card instead as his side went down 3-0 to Norwich City. Yeah, Bonaventure went on a bit of an adventure. Yeah, no, it was a good old-fashioned... Uh, relegation six-pointer uh, in uh, air quotes. Uh, by Jove, we haven't had one of those in a while. Uh, <laughs> and said, actually, no, we have. We uh, had Watford Newcastle uh, recently. Uh, so, yeah, not, not, not a good result for Watford. Uh, to lose 3-0 to the, uh, to the revitalised Norwich City, uh, Josh Sargent, the American, uh, formerly of Werder Bremen, getting a couple of goals in front of... Uh, uh, what I would have imagined was a pretty angry uh, bunch of Watford's, Watford's, Watford's fans, my apologies, in the uh, Hornets' nest after the uh, yeah, final whistle. And, uh, yeah, a huge win to Norwich. Uh, you know, they've picked up a lot of form under Dean Smith uh, since they sacked Daniel Clark. Uh, the old, you know, their old coach had gotten promoted twice and looked like a Bond villain, but was uh, <laughs> clearly out of his depth at uh, APO level, unfortunately. And... Uh, yeah, I've got relatives in Norfolk in England, so I always like to see Norwich doing well. That's uh, two wins in a row for them. Uh, well done to them. Coming up this morning, Man United versus West Ham. Uh, United are unbeaten in their last 13 at home versus West Ham, but I don't know if there's been too many seasons where West Ham have been higher on the table than Man United. Yeah, and uh, you know, every time I see, read something about Manchester United, I just see the... Uh, the fans kind of complaining, even though they, you know, and just saying, you know, they're not playing at their best. You know, they're picking, they're still picking out more wins than uh, win more than often. But yeah, it hasn't been happy camping for the United fans. Um, I'm still, you know, West Ham has have, uh, have two losses in their last five for me. They're going to come back down to earth uh, slightly uh, sooner rather than later, especially with a red hot Tottenham side. You know, uh, now just a point behind them, but with uh, three games in hand. So. Uh, uh, definitely something to monitor. Um, Watford, uh, uh, West Ham, sorry, with uh, 16 games to go, uh, I, it's going to be very, very hard for them for me to uh, protect that uh, their spot in the top four. But having said that, I think uh, you know if they do manage to get a win against Man United, and that is completely in the realm of possibility. Uh, yeah, you know. It goes, it goes a long way and uh, piles on the uh, the angst for Man United fans as well, which I'm always in favour of. <laughs> uh, Southampton versus Man City. I'm trying to find some hope for my Saints. Uh, can you find it anywhere, anywhere at all for me? Uh, no. Okay. Next question. <laughs> Sweet. That's, that's the sort of answer I thought was coming, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> it's, it's just hard. Like, just watching Man City at the moment and they're just so, 
uh, in utter control of everything that's happening. And I watched them play Chelsea last week. It was an 8.30 kickoff. Fantastic time. Uh, and, yeah, it was, you know, even at Chelsea, they just looked in control. And even though they weren't dominating the game, they just, everything they do is just so easy. You know, even when they're not playing particularly well, they just still make things look easy. Um, yeah, it's, it's just hard to see them losing the titles from here. You know, they're uh, 11 points ahead of Liverpool at the moment. So it's going to be very tough for anyone to overtake them. Uh, Arsenal versus Burnley, and Arsenal's first league game since New Year's Day rolls around. Uh, Rust expected. Could we see in the chain to the bottom, Burnley get a big win here? Uh, probably not. Like I've, <laughs> I've said previously, I've been really, quite quietly impressed with Arsenal uh, under Mikel Arteta this season. Uh, I think them and Tottenham both have a pretty good chance of overtaking West Ham and sneaking into the top four. Uh, Burnley, uh, as a Blackburn fan, t- having a lot of fun. Uh, but a but both that you know Blackburn are in the top three of the championship, but also the fact that Burnley are uh, rooted to the bottom of the table, having won one from uh, seventeen, uh, will be interesting to see whether Burnley pull the plug on uh, Sean Dyche, uh, who has been a fantastic manager for them for a you know be- better part of five uh, years, maybe even more than five years uh, now. He's been there so long; he's part of the furniture. Uh, but yeah, it's hard. It's hard to see Burnley getting a. Uh, uh, getting anything good out of a very good, uh, you know, Arsenal team at the moment. And there's a break coming up in the league, isn't there? Uh, from after this round to Monday, the seventh of February, I believe. Uh, yes, yeah, I think I believe there's an FA Cup round uh, somewhere in there. But yeah, it's, I think I think they need this to be honest. Like I've been in uh, favour of the uh, of the Premier League and English football just taking a bit of a breather, taking a spell like they do in Germany. Uh, and a few other big European leagues. I think it's, you know, pretty important that they uh, have that and just, you know, have a bit of a settle down and uh, just relax, give the players, you know, a bit of downtime, you know, take the load off them. Uh, it, it probably helps, the, you know, their players, the international players when it comes to, uh, you know, June, July and whatnot. Uh, and uh, if there's a big, uh, big international tournament. Now, this year, obviously, World Cup has been postponed to uh, December. So, um probably less of an impact than if it was uh, uh, being held in the uh, European off-season. But, yeah, it's a good idea to have this break by the Premier League, even if it's, you know, COVID-enforced to an extent. Uh, you know, I'm all in favour of it. Ben, really appreciate the time once again, mate. Thanks for joining the Overnight Crowd. No worries, Tito. Always a pleasure. As Ben Smith, a sports reporter for Perth Now Local and a favourite of ours on the Overnight Crowd, uh, helping us look back at the Matildas thumping 18-0 win over Indonesia and uh, some of the talk from the former Matildas, Georgia Yeoman-Dale and also Grace Gill, who were not stoked following the win. They were pretty critical of Tony Gustavson's choice of players, given the opposition. So keen on your thoughts around that. Uh, A-Legs action, where we saw Perth Glory shake off the rust of their last loss against the Raw and down uh, Sydney FC 2-1 uh, tonight. And uh, also... We've got some great English Premier League matches coming up this weekend. Already we've seen uh, Watford go down 3-0 to Norwich City. We've got Man United coming up versus West Ham this morning. Southampton versus Man City. Crystal Palace v Liverpool. Arsenal versus Burnley across the weekend as well. It's going to be a thumper. For the moment, you're on the overnight crowd and we'd love to hear from you about it. 0433 98 11 16 or 1300 736 736. We'll be right back on the other side of this break on the overnight crowd on SEN. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like, um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. 
Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.